April 2nd, the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 51, through chapter 10, verse 12. As the time drew near for his return to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But they were turned away. The people of the village refused to have anything to do with Jesus because he had resolved to go to Jerusalem. When James and John heard about it, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we order down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you no matter where you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests. But I, the Son of Man, have no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. He said to another person, Come, be my disciple. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Jesus replied, Let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach the coming of the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. The Lord now chose seventy-two other disciples and sent them on ahead in pairs to all the towns and villages he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, and ask Him to send out more workers for His fields. Go now and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take along any money, or a traveler's bag, or even an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter a home, give it your blessing. If those who live there are worthy, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. When you enter a town, don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide you. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. If a town welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you, and heal the sick. As you heal them, say, the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, We wipe the dust of your town from our feet as a public announcement of your doom. And don't forget the kingdom of God is near. The truth is, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. Psalm 74, verses 1 through 23 what we see. Written probably after the destruction of the temple, this psalm reveals the anguish of one who deeply loved God and could not understand why he permitted such desecration. Israel was his flock and his inheritance, and Mount Zion was his dwelling place. Yet he allowed evil men to destroy his people and his house. Why, O Lord? We'll read about what we do not see. God is king, but we do not see his hand working as in past centuries. We see no signs, and we have no prophet to interpret the times and give us God's message. One of God's judgments is to leave his people without a word of guidance because 
they have refused to obey His will. And finally, here in this psalm, we'll be reading about what we want to see. Surely Asaph knew that the sins of the nation caused the invasion of the enemy and the destruction of the temple. As a faithful Jew, he wanted to see the city and the people delivered and the enemy defeated. That would happen in due time, when God's discipline of His people was ended and their rebellion conquered. Meanwhile, all he could do was weep, pray, trust God, and wait. destroyed you, but some kind of way, God blessed you to be here. Now, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing to attack a baby. Most people, even the meanest amongst us, smile when we see a baby. But we have an enemy that is so ferocious and so diabolical that he doesn't wait until you're full grown to attack you. But he will attack you in your early days, before you have come into your gifting or relevance, and maybe even before you've been born again. Because the enemy knows that he is fighting you not over where you are right now, but over where you are going. When he sees that you are about to become something, he wants to destroy you while the vision is still manageable. Because the enemy knows that if he lets up off of you for a second, your destiny is so impactful that he'll never be able to stop you if you ever get loose. That's why when you talk to most men and women of God, somewhere in their early lives, they were attacked either physically, emotionally, uh, sexually abused, uh, financially repressed. There's always some plot that has been set against you to stop you from becoming who you are. But isn't it nice to know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper? It doesn't mean that it won't be formed, but it won't prosper against you. And you have to walk in the fact that what God has for you is for you. Somebody say amen. Joseph uh, then is the beloved son of his father, much as Christ is the beloved son of his father. You will remember when Christ was standing in the Jordan River and a voice spoke from heaven and the spirit descended like a dove and a voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know then that Adam was God's first created son and Israel was God's first born son. Adam was his created son, born full grown. Yeah, yeah. It was with, without beginning of days. No embryo, no infantry. He was born a full grown man. He was God's first created son. But Israel now, Israel was his first born son. Yes, if Pharaoh, if he would have understood that, he would have never attacked the children of Israel. And the reason that God attacked the firstborn through the death angel in Egypt was God said, Israel is my son, my firstborn son, and I'm going to attack your son until you turn my son loose. That ought to make every son of God in this room make some noise. I'd rather have God fighting for me than be fighting for myself. 
because when you are God's child, he will take up for you. Uh, footnote here, I want to verify the authenticity of Israel being God's son. I want to do a paternity test and remind you that the DNA that is in Israel is a composite of a divine seed from God and not just the meanderings of an old man named Abraham. No, no, because God waited until Abraham's body was dead and could not produce a seed and when he could no longer produce a seed God gave him a seed I know it was God's seed because when it hit Sarah's dead womb it quickened it and brought it back to life again I know it was God's seed because it came down to 42 generations and was born of a virgin and came forth and said I am the seed of Abraham so I did a DNA test Israel is his firstborn son. Adam is his first created son. Jesus is his only begotten son. And you are his mystical son. Behold what manner of love is this. The father hath bestowed upon us that we shall be called the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But when we see him, we shall see him as he is and we shall be like him. Tell somebody say, I'm a son of God. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to see the women say that because some women feel uncomfortable saying I'm a son of God, but never be uncomfortable and make the gender distinction and say that you are a daughter of God because the sonship does not speak to gender as much as it speaks to position. It means that you are an heir and it means you've got just as much right to receive as a man does because you are a son of God because you are in Christ. In him I live. In him I move in him. I, oh, it means something to be the son of a mighty man. You don't have to work for your stuff when you're the son of a mighty man. You're going to get it through your relationship. You don't have to sweat. You don't have to labor. Just knowing who you are will release a blessing in your life. That's why when the prodigal son came to himself, he changed positionally. He changed financially. He changed in every area because he recognized who he was. And when you recognize Recognize who you are, then the blessing of the Lord will overtake you. Touch somebody and tell them I'm a son of God. Take your hands off me. Don't bother me. Don't mess with me. Don't hinder my stuff because I am a son of God. And if you mess with me, the death angels going to pass over your house because God will fight for me and he will always vindicate me. Whether you know it or not, you are still here by the manifold mercies of God. Every time the enemy thought he had you surrounded, the spirit of the Lord came in like a flood and lifted up a standard. Yes. Yes. Don't worry about who hates you. Don't worry about who doesn't like you. Don't worry about what they said about you. When God's got something for you, God's got something for you. And he said, I swear I'm going to bless you. I swear I'm going to see about you. I've already taken counsel to bless you. I'll spend everything I got in heaven to get you out of trouble. Don't read the Washington Post to decide what time it is for the year. It doesn't matter what's going on in the economy. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. If I get ready to bless you. I'll send the blessing to your house. I wish I had a witness in here. Somebody give him some kind of, some kind of praise like you know who you are. (laughs) 
Joseph is the beloved son of his father as Christ is the beloved son. Psalm 74, verses 1 through 23, a psalm of Asaph. O God, why have you rejected us forever? Why is your anger so intense against the sheep of your own pasture? Remember that we are the people you chose in ancient times, the tribe you redeemed as your own special possession. And remember Jerusalem, your home here on earth. Walk through the awful ruins of the city. See how the enemy has destroyed your sanctuary. There your enemies shouted their victorious battle cries. There they set up their battle standards. They chopped down the entrance, like woodcutters in a forest. With axes and picks they smashed the carved paneling. They set the sanctuary on fire, burning it to the ground. They utterly defiled the place that bears your holy name. Then they thought, Let's destroy everything. So they burned down all the places where God was worshipped. We see no miraculous signs as evidence that you will save us. All the prophets are gone. No one can tell us when it will end. How long, O oh God, will you allow our enemies to mock you? Will you let them dishonor your name forever? Why do you hold back your strong right hand? Unleash your powerful fist and deliver a death blow. You, O oh God, are my king from ages past, bringing salvation to the earth. You split the sea by your strength and smashed the sea monster's heads. You crushed the heads of Leviathan and let the desert animals eat him. You caused the springs and streams to gush forth. And you dried up rivers that never run dry. Both day and night belong to you. You made the starlight and the sun. You set the boundaries of the earth, and you make both summer and winter. See how these enemies scoff at you, Lord. A foolish nation has dishonored your name. Don't let these wild beasts destroy your doves. Don't forget your afflicted people forever. Remember your covenant promises, for the land is full of darkness and violence. Don't let the downtrodden be constantly disgraced. Instead, let these poor and needy ones give praise to your name. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how these fools insult you all day long. Don't overlook these things your enemies have said. Their uproar of rebellion grows ever louder. Proverbs 12, verse 11. Hard work means prosperity. Only fools idle away their time.